You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to the show. This is Stuart Goldsmith. Thank you for listening to the Comedian's Comedian Podcast, uh, a show in which we try and get into the inner workings of a comedian's mind. Today, uh, my guest is someone about whom I can't think of enough positive things to say. I had never seen Rob Orton until earlier this year, and he was someone who was very frequently requested in the Facebook group uh, of this podcast and over email. You can email me too, info at comedianscomedian.com with your own suggestions for future guests. Um, his name came up again and again, and as we'll discuss in this episode, the fact that he is sort of tangentially connected to the word poet slightly put me off, if I'm being honest. I thought, I don't know if I have time for poetry that's almost comedy. That description could not be further from the truth. He, it, well, I mean, it could, he is slightly poetic. But any way that I might try to describe Rob's work to you it sort of isn't enough. It is poetic, but it's more than that. He does brilliant one-liners, but it's more than that. He does these phenomenal fringe and tour shows where he takes one subject at a time like time or sleep or the colour yellow and just mines it comprehensively for an hour. And even that, as we'll go on to discuss in this interview, is sort of an attempt at a wider sense. It's not simply an exercise. It, it sort of unearths a deeper meaning behind something. The way I would describe Rob, for those of you who maybe have just tried listening to the first 30 seconds of this to, to see if it's your sort of thing, um, at the end of every performance of Rob's that I've seen, I've seen him live three or four times now, he says, thank you for coming. It means the absolute world to me. And that is what you are going to hear. Someone for whom comedy and performance and art as an attempt to make sense of the world. This is someone to whom it means the absolute world. Oh, and I should say as well, just to just to trip up my my uh, <laughs> quite neat opening sentence there. Um, you might remember me saying a little while ago that I recorded a live podcast with Rob Orton. We talked a little bit about why we didn't release that one. It is available at the Insiders Club. Ultimately, the sound quality wasn't very good. But um, it, it, uh, it, was a, it was a question because I don't know that we really got to where either of us wanted to get to in that interview. I'm glad we did it again. This interview was, uh, I mean, two hours long. I've cut some of it and a good 20, 30, I think 30 minutes of it is available uh, on the Insiders Club. So go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders if you'd like to sign up and get hold of that. Right, get back to that earlier neat moment where I was just launching into the episode. 
This is Rob Orton. I think he's brilliant and you're going to love this. Yesterday was one of those shows where there were some people in the audience. <laughs> yeah, there was some people. There was one of those. There was one of those, <laughs> one of those, where, one of those where there's an audience, right? And um, there was a couple of ladies in the on the front row, and they were making the sounds that I made when I had the ideas for the bits of writing. You know, it's not laughter. It's just, ah, or they just go, hmm. And I love, I love that. It's so much more than belly laughs or anything like that. Just when you feel that you're connecting with someone and they, they don't need to, they're just, it's like, they're so, I don't know, it's almost like the sound of someone appreciating your thoughts and your work. And there was a couple of those moments yesterday and they can fill you with what you need to get through the festival for a week. And then and then if you get topped up with like another shot of someone saying something nice to you in the street or bumping into a mate and having a nice conversation, it's just those human, very human interactions that get me through it, not um, people writing things about it or anything like that. Um, but it is very difficult not to get um, swamped in those things of critics. and mm. Because, I don't know, it's, I just want to, I remember someone told me that Simon Munnery said that he always looks back at Edinburgh from the train just as it's leaving from the festival and says, yeah, you didn't beat me again. And it just it's just about keeping on going. And I really respect that. And I think that it takes a lot of courage and grit and just, just to get up and do your show every... I mean, people listening to this might think, God, no, it isn't, but... A lot, a lot kind of rests on it, but it it doesn't, it doesn't, because it gets to the end of August and then it's all, it's all done. But my main thing is I just want to try to keep getting better at making shows. And if I feel that I haven't progressed over the course of the year, I really, I really beat myself up about it. And if I have a, if I have a show where I'm not pleased with my performance... I really go to town on myself and that can be a bit damaging really. I wish I, I wish I couldn't um, hurt myself as much as I do when I feel like I, I've done a good job, but that's because I care about it. And it is my life. I've put, I've, this is, I've always known that I wanted to express myself in some way. And if I feel that I haven't been expressing myself in the correct way or something like that, then... I feel like it's just a, a waste of time, which is up, upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that you're... Well, let's look at the difference between... You said uh, the third gig, I think, last week mm. or at the weekend. You yeah. said it, it wasn't good. Mm. So let's look at what you... Because that's something that no one's ever said on the on the... 
the podcast before is this idea that actually the noise of someone going, hmm, mm. is better than a laugh. That's more satisfying for you than a laugh because it's a, a sign of actual consideration and connection where someone is, you have, you have successfully showed someone how you see the world and mm. they've agreed with it. Mm. And that that is kind of more resonant yeah. than a laugh. Definitely, because it makes me feel less crazy, I think. I mean, the, the idea, what I'll say what they, the moment in the show was when I said, um, <clears throat> was it only the rich who had watches to start with, like the first people who had colour televisions? And a lady just was like, yeah, yeah. I, I, or maybe I'd never thought about that before. And I said, do you, and I went off my script or whatever and said, well, so do you think it was? And she said, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's probably was, wasn't it? And I, I love, I just love thinking about just questioning everything and trying to just get out of the grid of everything. And, you know, I was watching a, a, a comedian this morning. Is it, is it Jim Jeffries? who was talking about guns in Australia. He's, that's, the, that's a signature bit of Jim's, yeah. Yeah, I was watching that and I just, I just um, with, the, with, with all the stuff going on with the guns at the moment, you just, I just feel like you just want to grab people by the shoulders and just say, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be like this. And then you question things and then when people kind of go, hmm, oh yeah, oh, I feel like that's it. And I feel like that's what politicians should be doing of, of saying, like trying to make positive steps of, hey, we could make this a better place for everyone. And maybe everyone will go, yeah, I, I like that. And I, th I just like, I, I try to have truthful thoughts on stage and try to keep it as real as possible to me. And that's quite difficult because sometimes people don't connect with what I'm trying to say and that that's fine. And But if I ever went, if I ever thought about the result of what I wanted to say instead of gripping onto that inspiration and like, I really like Kate Tempest and she's got a thing about, um, you know, ambition and just sometimes ambition could take over and it's, then it's not as, it's not as real and you're trying to climb up a ladder and things like that. And it's like, come on, just stick to what's really inside you. And, um, remain true to yourself one of my preoccupations as a, as a stand-up is the idea that in order to perform my truest work it's a system of constantly getting out of my own way to mean it's learning to stop making like almost do it to stop doing the shorthand for an idea and do the actual idea do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, the more I think about stand-up these days, the more I think to, to achieve your most honest expression of self, mm. it's about unlearning all of the things that over the whole course of your life shut you down and stopped you having childlike wonder. Yeah. And I suppose when you say it's about getting off the grid mm. of, of, of your thoughts, you know, getting off the... Is that what you mean? That it's about, it's about not thinking or saying what is usual or what is what is kind of route one? Mm, I don't know. I don't think it's for... 
effect or I don't, I don't think oh that's an un, that's an unusual thought I'll I'll say that that'll that'll blow people do you know what I mean I I think that with the because I do have ideas that that come to me that are quite root one of you know jokes and I I wish that I could write an hour of jokes that made people laugh but the connectors in my brain don't they spark about every three years and I have a proper joke yeah, goes, sure. Ding, here we go and I wish that I could yeah make those make those connect a bit more often because it, it would certainly help me out but it's such a tightrope of saying okay I'm going to come to Edinburgh I'm going to do a show all about time and then committing to that and you don't know whether you, like the bells in your head are going to go off, and if you're going to have, be able to have ideas, or and it's just such a risk. But I'm I'm excited by the risk of saying that you're going to do a show, and then just putting yourself on the front line of your own existence, really, and going, who know, who knows what this is going to be like? I'm going to say that I'm going to do a show, and I'm going to try and work at it as hard as I can, but. With the physicality of just being alive and having blood, and it's all such a gamble and a risk. But that's what that's what excites me. My old graphic design teacher said to me, "The risk always wins," and I I stand by that really. And that's why um, yesterday when I said something about Jamie's Italian, and then. Uh, Someone in the audience started talking, and I said, "What are you talking about?" And they said, "Oh, we we're just talking about when we went to Jamie's Italian," and that bit obviously didn't go very well. But it was worth talking to them and asking what they're, what they're on about because sometimes that's they're the moments that light up a room, and suddenly a gig that wasn't going very well has switched, and you, everyone's back in the room again, and it is hundred percent worth go, going off piste and. I, I was talking to someone the other day and they said that the key to Edinburgh is consistency <clears throat> in your show. And I thought, well, yeah. Consistency within the show or consistency year on year? Within the show. Within the show, okay. Yeah, so people are going to see the same show. Yeah. And maybe that's an obvious point, but for me, they're all completely different. It just depends. And that is it's so... Maddening because you do, you need a bit of luck. If you've got people in, who you you want you want them to think that your show's good, and then they come on a day where the just energy is not there. Or like I, Lucy Hopkins, one of my friends, she said she came to see one of my shows about water, and it had been going okay. Um. But she came on a particularly bad day and she said, yeah, you know, the lighthouse isn't always on and that's it. And going back to that, when I did a show all about water, there was one day, I think the good, the good thing about Edinburgh is that it, it can really help you find out what you want to say. And if you're coming up here thinking, oh, I think I want to say this, then you, you find yourself out so quickly. Because if you say something one day, and you think, I've got to say that again tomorrow, I don't really want to say that, then you just take it out and it's, you really, it just exposes yourself to yourself and you go, right, oh, this is 
what I am. And I was doing a show about water and um, I was I was just figuring out what the show was that day. I felt I was getting really getting to grips with what it was. And I was saying it, it, was, it had a different pace to it. And I thought, oh, this is it, this is it. And I could feel myself carrying the audience and I'd lifted them up at the start and I had them and they were, they were heavy, but I was lifting them. I thought, if I could just get you to the end, then this is going to be great. And then <clears throat> someone got up at the front and went to the toilet right in front of the stage and it, everything just went... <sighs> and I just thought, if that... If that person hadn't got up and gone to the toilet, I might have figured out how to do that show. Yeah. And because that's it with material, you figure out how to... I personally figure out how to do it when I'm doing it. And it, it it's, you know, it's like going down a... <clears throat> um, going into a garden and a security light comes on and it goes ding! And you're like, ah, oh, right... And everything's suddenly illuminated and you go, oh, right, this is this bit and this is this is what this is. And then you walk a bit further and this comes on you like... And it's just those little noises that people make. It doesn't even have to be like a lot of laughter. If someone even makes a tiny sound that you haven't heard before and you go, ah, right, that's what this means. This what this what That's what this can mean to other people. So there's a bit in the time show, there's a bit in the new show where I was doing a preview at Angel Comedy and... Um, I said, I've got a bit about hands, and I say, surely we should consider our hands to be as special now. No, surely I should consider myself, my hands to be as special now as they were when they had blood on them. And then I said, for the first time. And then everyone really laughed. And I thought, oh, right. So that, then I'm saying that I'm a murderer, and, and then I can really go into that and look like a psychopath. And then it's a moment that just... And that's where I kind of want to trust myself to be able to take myself into the person that I want to be. It's almost got nothing to do with me, really. I feel like I've got a certain amount of talent that I've, I've just got to trust it. And it, it might be a bit of a, a, a weird talent that not a vast majority of people can get on board with, but the ideas that come to me, I absolutely love and no one's going to ever like my work as much as I do. And But I think that's right. If every, if I was making work that I didn't like and people were going, oh, we we love that, and I'd be like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not really into it. But if I'm, if I'm creating this work that I love and would I... If someone tried to take it away from me, I'd say I'd fight for my life to just keep it because it is it is my life and it is it it's got to be art, hasn't it? Stand up, self expression, punk, just getting something out of you that you feel is worthwhile and going, This is what it's gonna be and this is how I'm gonna do it, and I'm not gonna take any prisoners. And you can give me as many three star and two star reviews as you want, but I know that I love what I'm doing. When I was, I did a show about the colour yellow, right? Called the yellow show. And I made, it was just, it was just me. I was doing it on the free fringe and 2012. And I thought, what can I do about this show about the colour yellow? And I thought, I know I'll make, I'll make some, um, yellow vision glasses. So 
as people go to the cinema and you used to have the 3D glasses, you know, one was red and one was blue lenses and then it was just yellow lenses. And um, I gave them out. I made hundreds of pairs and I gave them out and everyone was watching this show about colour yellow through yellow glasses and I had a yellow coat on, loads of layers of yellow and yellow car sponges. And then I, the show was just about hope, really, and looking on the bright side of things. And I was coming up to Edinburgh that year thinking... I've got something special here. I really love this show. And not nothing really happened with the show. I got it it got it got some good reviews, it got some mediocre reviews, but I was coming up here thinking, oh, this is this is this is great. I I love this. And for some reason I don't know. I think I I may I lost some belief in it because of what of the reception to it. But six years later, I was looking through my bag of props and I saw those yellow vision glasses. And I looked at them and thought, no, that was, that was really what you wanted to do. And that was it. That idea stood the test of time. And I was sending out the, those glasses to journalists and things like that. And I don't know, I was just kind of proud of myself, really, for just, for for sticking to the idea. And, but it was a big lesson in not giving up on your instincts and just sticking to that and just not letting the outside noise change who you are as a person or a performer all that thing of them saying, this is, if you want to be successful, this is what you need to do. This is what a good show is. Mm. Uh, you think your show's good? Let, we'll show you what funny is. And then you go and watch it and you go, okay. But I always come up to the fringe and I think, would I swap my show for anybody else's? Say, so, if I could have that person's show and I could have their material, would I want it? And if the answer is yes, you've got to have a serious word with yourself, haven't you? Because if you... I don't... I, I like and respect a lot of people's work and I love it, but I, I, you've got to be the most excited about your own stuff and go, I'm going to go... To, oh, I've got a show today, 10 to 3. And... There's bits in it that I, I was walking, I love. And that's not arrogance, is it? That's just just being excited. It's like making some bread and enjoying it. You're like, oh, I love making bread. And it's I like the work and I love making stuff. That's the thing. It's about making it and making a show and just trying to stay excited about that. And if you are making bread and you taste it yourself and you go, oh, this is really nice. I've never tasted bread like this before. Then you get your mates round and you go, do you want to taste this? I've never had this. Here you go, taste it. And they might go, oh, no, that's not, that's not for me. And other people might go, oh, God, I love this. Can you make some more? Yeah, I'll come back next year and I'll do it. But So I don't know. Um, yeah. it's. I kind of went off on one there, but the I saw an interview with, no, it was a programme with Grayson Perry and he was talking about his, how privileged he feels to be able to go off on one 
when it was about when he made that kind of gingerbread house in near La, near where the Latitude Festival takes place. I think that's where it is. No, it isn't. I don't know. But anyway, as an artist, he said that he just likes going off on one. And I think that that is that's why I feel. I, I just feel that I just I just want to go off on one, and that's why I pick these subjects: time, water, sleeping, hair, and do a show on a specific theme every year, just because. I want to look at something and I want to look at time and try to make myself feel differently about time. Can I do it? I'm trying. And uh, it's just, I just want to try and stay excited about stuff. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So this is Rob. I rarely do I enjoy spending time in someone's company in, in a kind of an art, like not in a bonhomie way, but just in an art way where you go, wow, this man thinks deeply about every aspect of this and his work is so important to him we covered some fairly difficult territory uh, about mental health uh, which i have taken out of this section and uh, and put into the insiders club in the extra material there's about 30 minutes in there you can sign up with a regular subscription to the podcast uh, and access all of the insiders club extra content from every show that has it by going to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And I heartily recommend you do that. We talk with, uh, Rob and I talk about masculinity uh, and fragility and sensitivity. And we talk about mental health. And there is some really good, deep, difficult stuff in there. And you can hear from the tone of this conversation that uh, that Rob thinks very deeply about these things. And we really get stuck into some of them. So comedianscomedian.com slash insiders if you would like to sign up and get hold of some of that. And I really recommend that you do. More from Rob in just a second. Just, I mean, I'm not really plugging anything at the moment. I've run out of T-shirts. Thanks to everyone that came to get one. Oh, I tell a lie. No, there's about 20 double XL black thanks man sheriff badge t-shirts left and other than that i'm clean out of merch i may do something with mugs on some sort of drop ship thing either via a hugely set up company or the excellent christian talbot who i believe is still uh, uh, working out 
that system from his shed. So one way or another, we'll bring you some, some more merch soon, but I don't have any of that to plug. The tour, of course, the second half of the end of tour, which now contains a, 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 a strong hour in the second half of those individual tour shows uh, of new material, some of which will have been honed during Primer at the Edinburgh Festival, and uh, some of which uh, will be so good that I've rotated it out. <laughs> some of it will be so good I'm not doing it in an attempt to continue kind of slogging away at working out the new gear on stage. I had so much fun doing that in Edinburgh, and I'll be doing it for uh, for at least 45, probably an hour, uh, in the second half of almost every tour show that I'm doing. I can't guarantee every one because I know there are some where that isn't happening. But um, uh, those are all coming up soon. Go to comedianscomedian.com slash tour to find out where I am travelling for the, the second leg of the tour. Very excited to get stuck into that. I'm at the Westie in Aldershot before too long. I know that one off the top of my head because it's coming up soon. But um, go to comedianscomedian.com slash tour to find out the other cities I'm playing and I will read you a long list of them probably on some sort of dynamically inserted ad that you may even have already heard on this episode, in which case I apologise. Please follow Rob Orton on all the relevant social media. Go to his website and see where he is playing next. I don't know if he's touring the time show, but I very much hope he is. Uh, Let's get back to the second half of this conversation. This is Rob Orton. Am I right in thinking that, having talked about the reviews don't matter. The two you can give me as many twos and threes as you want. Yeah. In, in a way that, which is, you know, of course, is that it's no, very it, laudable and vital. Nah, and... it's bollocks, isn't it? I do care. Well, I really do. I want. I want to, You want to feel like you're not that. You, you want to feel like you connect with people. Yeah. And and a two means you didn't connect with that person, and they think you didn't connect with anyone else. Not that they know. Mm. Does it? Is that what the, the implication is? That, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to imply. I think the thing is with reviewers and stuff like that is that they are human beings who are doing a, doing a job. And I think that it's a, it's a really worthwhile thing if they can, if they can get, get people to the shows and things like that. But, I mean, when I was doing the Sky Show... I knew that I was having some days were good, some days were not good. The same with the face show. I think I think that um with all that you just need a bit of bit of luck really on the days that people come in and Yeah, I don't I don't really know. What I was gonna say was Am I right in thinking that last year you had the best reviewed show in the entire festival? Second. Second. Second best. Yeah. And I, I kind of partly want to point that out. When we started talking, I thought, I don't know if I've set you up in the right way because what you do is so unusual mm. and the way you talk about it is so unlike the way comics normally talk about their work that I want to make sure that... Like, it's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a preoccupation of mine that I want people to know that I only have people on this podcast if I think they're incredible. Mm. And you, because the first kind of touchstones that we were like, you were talking about how you, you like it when people go, mm, instead of laughing. I kind of yeah, partly yeah, yeah, wanted yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get that fact in earlier of just like... But just so the listener knows, you had the second, but out of all the thousands of shows here, the second mm. most highly reviewed show... Even in saying that, I realise I'm trying to legitimise something that I think is inherently legitimate. Mm. And also, 
because we're 20 minutes in now, or however long it is, mm. um, I don't care anymore about legitimising you because, frankly, if people aren't listening to you now and thinking, God, I want to see this guy, then fuck mm. him, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I, I kind of wanted to mention that for the sake of kind of mopping up stragglers. Yeah, like, fair enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, you, you've mentioned a few times the difference between a good gig and a bad gig and yeah. what that means to you. So there's obviously the element of connection and whether you personally feel that you've connected with people. Yeah. For the sake of people who've never seen one of your shows, there is a huge amount of laughter going on. Mm. It's not simply a kind of poetic process or a theatrical process of, of you saying an interesting thing and people connecting. Mm. You are also conducting the laughter in the room, inspiring laughter in the room and riffing. I don't know if you riff, but certainly wielding a huge amount of laughter in the room. You are not... And I suppose when you were first described to me, you're someone that for years people have said, you've got to see Rob Orton. And I'd look at the blurb and there would, the word poetry would be in there. And I'd go, I, I'm, not really, I'm not really that into poetry. Now, I totally understand that you are approaching stand-up with, with a poet's... I don't, ironically, don't know the word now. So, no. You know what I mean? Like, there, there is a poetical weight to what you do. Um, but I suppose I kind of, in terms of the, and this feels a totally inappropriate word for you, but in terms of the brand of what you're doing, in terms of how I describe it to someone. Do you know how I described it to someone last night? My friend Vince that I'm living in this flat with. Mm. I said, you've got to go and see him. He said, what sort of thing is it? And I said, well, the best way I could describe it is he finishes every show, and forgive me, I slightly did an impression of your <laughs> voice, which I love. He finishes every show by saying, thanks for coming. This means the absolute world to me. And just in saying that, just in saying the way you say that, he was kind of stopped in his tracks and were like, oh, right. It was like the thought was, oh, you mean he's a comic and he's genuine. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> he's arguably the most genuine performer I've ever seen. You can tell that every breath of what he's saying means the absolute world to him. Mm. That's not really a question, I grant you, but I, I want to go yeah. on. If, well, if you does, re it, respond no, to that, it, it and does transform it, it into it, a question. It, it does. So when I have when I have tough gigs, say Friday, there was a guy in the front row, and I was looking through the curtain before I went on stage, and he was asleep before I'd got on stage and it, his wife or whoever is we've kept on shouldering him and waking him up and he that would then go to sleep again and he was in the front and centre and if you're trying to have a conversation with someone and they're asleep or they keep falling asleep you just I just say to them look just go to just go to bed. We, we don't have to have this conversation. Just, and I said, I said to him, you're right, mate. And um, I said, look, you've bought a ticket. You can, you've bought yourself a little window. So stop trying to stay awake and just go to sleep. <laughs> just use it as an hour. Do whatever you want. And that same was like, if anyone's got any admin, just do it. I don't, you know, ideally I'd like you to watch me. I'm trying to say my piece, but... <laughs> The reality of it is you have paid 10, 12 quid to... You've bought yourself an hour. Do whatever you want. And so when when you... when I Because it does mean so much to me, when 
people almost don't treat it with the <laughs> respect that I'm treating it with of this is an hour of our lives. I'm going to give it absolutely everything. Please do the same. I mean, it's a lot to ask because I know what it's like to be in an audience when it's hot and you're tired. You're that, and, and you've got someone on stage talking about being alive at the same time as mangoes. It's like, shut up, mate. I'm tired. And when when audiences don't connect with what I'm trying to do, then it yeah, it does make it's like everyone, you know, it's like all performers. You want you want to feel connection. And if it's not there, you just feel like an absolute moron on stage. Just say and I just wish that all I don't wish all gigs could be good gigs, but it, you know, it's worth rolling the dice because when it happens and it and it lifts off, it's there's no there's no feeling like it really. Of and everyone leaves and they think that you've gone you've gone on a journey together and you've come away from it and um, you think, <clears throat> wow, that never existed before. And I bought a softball set yesterday from Sports Direct, and the the. the the whole show this year is about doing something memorable and I want to ask the audience at the end of the show if anyone wants to go and play a game rounders on the meadows. Um, I haven't done it yet. I might do it today. Um, but who knows? And But then I think, uh, I think it might be a bit awkward. But I'll, I'll try. It might be a bit awkward. But yeah. It might be a bit awkward sometimes. Yeah. And then it might not be. It's worth doing. I think it's worth doing if I can get 10 people from the audience or, and then we go and we, you know, one day we might have a really good hour after the show. And then I don't know what it'd be like, but I know that these shows that mean the most to me are the ones where, you felt the real connection with people and you you see people in the street after and you know that if you were to have a conversation, they'd enjoyed it as much as you had. And those bad ones when people look at you and then just look away and you go, yeah, I hated that as much as you did, mate. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's a strange thing to do with your, with your time, really, but... At the moment, this is just the just the avenue that I've gone down, and because I love painting and and writing and performing, and with the shows in the comedy section, and I think it's I think it's it's funny, but is there a difference between something being funny and something being comedy? I don't know, because you can be oh that was a bit funny. I feel funny. Um, I don't. I don't know. But all my favourite things are the are the things that are, are, are funny, but also smack you around the face as well. You know, like with um, Dawn and Tim in the office, a bit with the um, colouring pencils. She's in the car and she opens it in the taxi, and um, you know, never give up and. And those moments, you know, I, I, I love that moment a million times more than when he's doing his dance. Yeah. And um, in the royal family where 
Jim's doing the um, conga with Nana down the hall when she's on, on a Zimmer frame in that Queen of Sheba episode where she passes away at the end. And um, those moments where it's real life. And life isn't just a barrel of laughs. And if it was, maybe I'd do shows that purely more, a bit more, bit more of a comedy, you know. Whereas, yeah, I do. Sometimes I just start crying for no reason. And I, one day when I was, I was, um, it was Boxing Day and it was breakfast time and I just started crying for no reason. And I think that everyone, the vast majority of people, sometimes just get overwhelmed with the, the being born and having to go through what we have to go through and knowing that at, at the end of the day, you're not going to live forever. It's like when Woody Allen was saying that once he'd found out that at the end of your life you die, he couldn't really take anything seriously. You just, okay, well... It kind of stops. Everything's off the table, and you just go right. Well, well, you are. You, you stop living, and then so that kind of it that frees me up, and it makes me think that I can do whatever, I, not whatever I want, but it makes me take life not quite as seriously as as maybe I should. But I do. I mean, I do take it seriously, but I don't know where I'm going with that or what the question was. But you know. <laughs> when it comes to the um, the medium in which you operate, mm-hmm. comedy, yes. it is in the comedy section. That's presumably yeah, a yeah, decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People laugh consistently throughout and experience mm. all sorts of other complex emotions and connections mm. whilst laughing. Mm. What is it that draws you to laughter as opposed to painting pictures? Because it, it, one might imagine it's easier or less... I mean, I don't know. I've never painted in earnest, mm. in an artistic, self-expressive way. I'm mm. trying to paint a picture of something. I would imagine, probably wrongly, apologies to painters, that it is harder or more demanding or you are more at risk to try to make people laugh, to have an art which tries to make people laugh. I feel like it's less in one's own control and more... And maybe it's not. In all seriousness, we're here with these beautiful paintings we talked about earlier on. Maybe that is a torturous process of trying to... On, on, a, on a slightly tangential note, mid-question, whenever my son sits down to paint, I try and sit with him and I try to make marks I've never made before because that's what he's doing, totally unselfconsciously. And I hate every mark I make because I can't <laughs> make a mark I've never made before. Every line, everything I draw seems either completely random and therefore not really something I've done or something that I sort of remember doing before. Mm. So maybe it is hell. So I don't know what, (laughs) maybe painting is hell. Mm. But with regard to comedy, what is it that draws you to comedy instead of, for example, poetry, if you want to stand in front of an audience and make a connection? I think with the ideas that I have that when they make me laugh, 
um, I, I want to share that with people. And I think that making people laugh with an idea that I've had that's made me laugh, it's such a, it's such a strong, strong thing. It's like when you, when you, I don't know, maybe the laughter is, maybe like the, the bread and then like the meat of it is really what I want to say. It's maybe the laughter is just a, a package for me to get what I want to say to people's doors, do you know? And it's okay. Here's this is it's in the this is in the comedy box. But if you open it up, hopefully there's something that you can take away from it that you won't just laugh at. I like. The reason that I want to do stand up and say things on stage that instead of painting them is because it's just quicker. I just, it's just, you can say, you know, a dead T-Rex in the middle of a brown field and then it's getting that into people's heads. And if you tried to paint that, then it would take you, you know, it, you'd have to go buy the canvas, you'd have to buy the paints. And then whereas, whereas it's just so quick just to get these images in, in people's heads. And that's what I, um, it's, it, it's, it's just speedy. I mean, for someone who talks so slowly, it, it's some, it's, with, with writing the poet, I don't know, that is, I, I, I really appreciative of what you said about poetic language because I, I love, the poetry in things, but I, I don't like, I've been put off by poetry of a, a, a lot of things. When, when I, when I first started to try to do, write things down, I just wanted to share my work with people to see if they like, if they liked it. And I put this stuff on a website called Poem Hunter and it was things like if I had a pen for a penis, I'd write all over your face. I'd use your spots as punctuation. Not one blemish would I waste. And I put it up there. And it, well, fair enough, it, it wasn't poetry. But someone wrote to me a comment and it said, Dear Rob, I've rewritten your stuff. It's still rubbish, but it's better than your rubbish. And then he'd written, rewritten it all and it all rhymed and it was all in a, it was all very considered. And it it looked like and sounded like poetry. But for me, there's sometimes more poetry in like a, a football path, someone, the way someone passes a football or a child looking at a leaf or you know, put it making it so rigid and saying this is this is what this is what poetry is, children. That's not what it is. It's it's about you having feelings about the world and trying to express it through words and considered words. And I think it's just all to do with art, really, and, and just having a go. Um, but I, I love words, and I feel like I should be more articulate in interview situations because... 
I know that how important it is to be able to speak about your work is a very good way to sell it. And if you can talk about your art in an interesting way and with conviction, people stand up and take notice. Like I really like Damien Hurst and the way that he speaks about his work on Instagram is really, he really goes, he really goes to town on Instagram and the way that he talks about his work is just phenomenal. He does it with such conviction. And he just, the way that he speaks about everyday objects being at art, but he does it in such a down-to-earth way. Mm. He just picks you up and he, by the scruff of the neck and he goes, this is what my work is and this is how you, this is what it is. And if you think it's something else, fair enough, but this is what it is. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do that speak about my work in a way that is clear to people. And so I can think, yeah, Rob, you've done a good job in um, telling people why you do what you do. Whereas at the moment, I'm still a bit overwhelmed. You know, you can have a new thought. Does that count as changing yourself? Do you know what I mean? To have a new mean? thought and look back and go, I feel differently now about this particular thing that yeah. I did five years ago. Yeah. That, do you know what I mean? It's easy to kind of wrap up the idea of, I don't want to change myself. Uh, yeah, no, right. sure, yeah, you yeah, can have yeah. new thoughts. Yeah, totally. You know, you could, you could, five years from now, you could think, oh, these days I really look forward to shows. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That would be like, that's not a huge, it's not like a, an impossible change to imagine. Mm. It's funny though, isn't it? When I said I didn't look forward to things, now, speaking and having a conversation about work and about life does, it is inspiring to me to want to go and do a good show this afternoon. And if... I think that's one of the best things is that the way that things just keep moving and there's no end, well, there is an end point, but it just, it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and no matter what, how hard it is, it just, you can, it's almost like life's got you and it's saying, now, come on, you're all right. I'm going to keep carrying you. And maybe that's what it is. That's why my heart is beating and it makes you just, it just, when you're born, you get lifted and you. it's like, okay, I'm going to set you going and you can, this is it now. And I feel, I feel like that and I just want to try to harness it in a way that is helpful to myself and others because when I do do shows and <clears throat> if I was coming up to Edinburgh this this time and I thought I just want to have I'll be pleased if I have three gigs where I come away from them and I go yes that was, I I was on, I felt like it was, I really enjoyed it. The audience enjoyed it. All the tech went right. 
if I could get three of those, I'd be pleased. And the gradient of ones that come below that is fine. And yeah, it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange beast, but. But then you just go and you think, I think about stuff and, I, oh God, what am I saying? Like that. I just go, I think about stuff and then I think, you just sound like an absolute twat. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm just this pleased. is a safe space for sounding like an absolute twat. I haven't, um, <laughs> have I been saying like a lot? No. Haven't I? Not to the extent I've noticed. Okay. Well, I'm pleased with, with that with that because that was one of the things that I wanted not to do today. Say like, 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 like. My next question is, when you... Thanks for that. Thank you for... Do you know what I mean? I feel like this is... I feel like... I feel like you're not... You don't need to make an effort to say what you actually think. Okay. Some people, I feel like I need to rugby tackle them to the ground and go, but what do you actually think? Yeah. And you, I feel like I could just go, shows? Or something, you know, the tiniest yeah, little question. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of things you actually think. Yeah. And you're, you know... The, and, and really, that vulnerability that you mentioned earlier on... That that we that we make ourselves to a greater or lesser extent. You know, mm. you might think of Michael McIntyre and go, he doesn't make himself vulnerable at all, mm. but he's still going out into the mouth of the wolf. <laughs> Do you totally, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So for the the whole spectrum. One of the things I see when I was when I've seen you live is mm. that we thrill. It's the thr- it's electrifying to see how vulnerable you're making yourself. You're like a lightning conductor. Mm. Do you mean it's not just that you are standing there reciting clever things that you've thought or interesting perspectives that you've had? The moment of the performance is also incredibly vulnerable and live. And that bit, I know it's a a common introductory bit of yours where you repeat, this is me, this is where I'm from, Mm. have you seen me Mm. before? And you kind of orchestrate the audience into the right answers for those bits. I won't butcher the bit, it's a fascinating way into a show. That is inherently filled with risk and vulnerability and you're stood there and that is what's so captivating about it. That's what makes an audience go, hey, what's this? And sit Mm. forward and go, who's this? What's going on? This is different. This Mm. isn't just Jimmy Comedian. Well, some people do and other people who just just say nah not bothered oh sure but some people like different types of music which you know. is brilliant yeah of course that's what makes it all so good makes it so makes it also interested and I I really like Kanye West and what he says you know he he people start to like him so then he makes them not like him and then he is an inspiration you know which is kind of i think he's a he's a he's a he's a, a proper artist i don't know why i'm talking specifically about that, what what about kanye what uh, just i what just think his, his album you know that jesus is it's just a collage of i just think it's just to, just to put those songs those, it's almost like he's just putting shapes together and then he makes them into this piece of work. And it is, it's like, he is like painting pictures with that go into your ears and it's just, I just, it, I think he's fearless and he takes risks. And I love what Rick Rubin said about after he'd made the album, that he couldn't listen to any other music because it all just sounded so normal. And... 
I think I've just got to try to just but keep trying to get keep trying to get better and I'm going to this gig this afternoon who knows how it's going to go but it's thrilling to think this could this could be a great gig I could remember this forever it could be a mediocre gig that I don't remember it could be awful some an audience member might die we don't know do you know (laughs) there's a mass amount of variables that could but you can't you've just got to focus and think okay this might happen this might happen this might no I'm going to grab the gig by the scruff of the neck and try and take it where I want and it's been it's about being in control and I've got a bit in the show at the moment of saying that might not look like it but being on stage is one of the only places where I feel completely comfortable and I don't worry about what people think of me when I've got people, all these people looking at me. Um, and I, it's, I don't know why I feel safe on stage. I think maybe because I feel like I'm showing, I'm showing the bits of me that I'm most proud of maybe. And I feel like that is what I, that is what I want to put into the world. And I feel like I'm in charge of that. And that's why I write it down and read it. And because I want it to be quite specific, the things that I want to put into people's heads. I've got a bit about, um, I'm disappointed that people in the past made time to make guns when Mikhail Kalashnikov sat down to invent the AK-47, he could have used that time to invent the long-handled plastic ice cream scoop dog ball throwing device. And then when I was walking over here on the meadows, I saw someone with that with that big flinging yeah. thing. And I thought, oh yeah, that, there's a line in my show about that. And I'd and I like I liked it because it does look like an ice cream scoop, and it is a long-handled. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, say, you know, doing it, just having a conversation with someone and thinking that people are going to listen to it. Mm. Um, it. It does feel quite vulnerable, doesn't it? Mm, um, yeah, but I think if you get an opportunity like this to speak about your work and who you are, the only reason why I feel like it's important for me to be quite truthful is because... The only thing that I've got that is unique and what everyone's got that is unique is themselves. If you try to be anything else, you're not, you're not, it isn't interesting. That's what, when I, when I came up to the festival, I was thinking, ah, I wish there was a festival where everyone wrote down how they really felt about life and the world and you you could just go and see them they're not trying to be funny and they're not trying to be interesting they're just saying this is it and some of it can be funny and some of it can be sad or whatever and I would love that I'd love to you know people who were doing the drilling outside earlier you know just want to sit down and talk to them and be like what's your 
what's your story then? And then if they were to stand up and everyone could do it, and I'd love to hear about all the, you know, even family and stuff like that. You know, it's very rare that you kind of sit down and go, so what do you make of all this then? Oh, yeah. Isn't it? I was just thinking there is that festival. It's what is called it? Being Alive. The ticket to the festival is being prepared to go up and say to a bloke, a bloke with a drill or your mum mm. or whoever mm. or someone at a bus stop, what do you make of this? Mm. But then they go, uh, well, what do you want? What? If you want some money, I haven't got any. But it's... It, a part of the ticket price is learning how to do it <laughs> in yeah. such a way that you can do yeah, that. It is, yeah. And we are, and it's also that's what everyone's doing up here. Mm. And it, when people are perform, when performers are giving you their art, mm. like you were saying, comedy is just the means of the delivery mm. for the thoughts that you want to put in people's <coughs> heads. I think sometimes you can go and see someone, and uh, you just need to shuck away the means of delivery. Mm. Even if the means of delivery are, you might go and see a comic and think, oh, this is contrived. They don't mean this. But you still get to see what you think they do mean hidden within the thing they're trying to tell you they mean. Yeah. No, totally. We haven't talked much about craft and about the way in which you actually sit down and get the stuff out. And... I'm just interested because so much of your work seems to have a kind of profound quality to it. I remember, I think it's from the show you're doing at the moment, where you're, be, you're sort of briefly being a child saying, Mum, you can't just have me and hope for the best. Oh, oh, is that what everyone does? Moments like that when you seem to access something really permanent and timeless and a way of looking like a little joke that nonetheless cracks open a bit of the world. Mm. Or there was a line I remember about um, a life being uh, the sound of a heart stopping in reverse, beep for eternity, just beep and then beep, beep. Those moments which you can see, you can feel, I can feel, I go, oh, oh, magic. And I can feel everyone go, oh. Mm. How do you mine those moments are you sitting writing out are you doing automatic writing are you doing longhand are you sitting and looking out the window are they bubbling out of you on stage what's the what's the process the process of it is just say i've got to think about yeah the heart thing um so it's when it, the idea is about a heart when it beats for the first time and so it had been yeah like the sound the heart machine makes when it stops in reverse, so it's... And, and the heart being... I've changed it now, so it's, I say, what an encouraging organ the heart is. Thanks so much for all the support you've shown me. I hope we never meet in the flesh. But it's... The... The, the process is just um, thinking about it and then the best... My favourite lines just kind of come out of nowhere, really. And they just... I think Neil Young was talking about being like a radio transmitter and you've just got to let it come to you and then it filters through you and you and you get it down to the best of your ability. It hasn't really got very much to do with me, I don't, I don't think. 
it's I guess that's maybe what inspiration is. Um, it's I don't know. I'm not. I try not to get in the way of it too much. It just um, and when I do get in the way of it, it kind of isn't as good. But and not every. That's a, it's just trial and error. It really, the process is go by the, my instincts. If it works, great. If it doesn't work and I'm the only person who gets something out of it, I'll probably take it out. Am I? No. It depends if I really like something. The problem is, is that someone's face of you're boring me to tears and I'm thinking about what you're saying is the same, isn't it? Um, so that's why maybe I do put some put some laugh put some things in that I think are going to make people laugh. But the I don't know. I just want to try to with the I was, yeah, just like thinking about my heart. Think about my heart for a bit. When when did it start? What 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 is keeping it going and? Then I, I like think I just like thinking about stuff like that, like me having a heart and a dog having a heart, and everyone. If you got everyone at the Edinburgh Festival and got all their hearts and put them in a big, like a bonfire pile in the middle of the meadows, you wouldn't be able to tell whose heart is whose. And then I like thinking about things like, um, you know, when someone say, "Oh, you've got a good heart. You've got a really good heart." That well, people have heart transplants, don't they? And then. So I had a good heart, but now I'm, I'm a bad person now because I've had a heart transplant. And just kind of think, thinking about... Uh, and other ideas just kind of come to me, like when I was walking down the tube, and then I thought, if I have a little boy, what could I... Uh, I call him Dad, you know. Mm. If I have a son, his name will be Dad after my dad and his dad and his dad. Um, mishearing things. Um thinking, oh, God, if that person said that, then that would be that would be funny. That's why I'd like to try and write a play or a drama or something, because I always um, look at people on the tube and in dinner party situations and think, oh, I wish this happened. And that's, that's why I love about... That's what I love about creativity, is that you can make worlds exist that aren't there. And it's so exciting, the freedom of it. I absolutely love it. With the, um, there's a bit in the show at the moment about what is time without numbers. Maybe it's like painting without numbers. Freedom, you can do whatever you want, fill it in however you want. And just trying to look at things and, you know, the bit in the show is about I saw a guy on Brighton Beach and he was really drunk and he was metal detecting. And he looked so happy and at peace. Sun was just going down. And he was there with a the metal detector stumbling. And he was like coming across Strongbow dark fruit cans and picking it up. And yeah, it was. And, but then, and then he goes on to me saying that I want to go down Oxford Street in London with a metal detector chasing after metal buses. Oh, look, there's people in, on board. You're mine now. <laughs> just stuff like that. I just like I just try to I just try to um I, I love it cheers me up 
stuff like that. And it, it it's like, um, I remember Liz Bentley, who is a um, performer, does a lot of work in London with a ukulele, and she was one of the first performers I saw. She said that you've got to really look after your material because that's like your gold and it's yours, you know, you found it and you've got to really look after it and treat it with the respect it deserves. And um, But going back to the process question, the process of um, making a show is uh, write as much as you can, do a bad preview as quickly as you can, like January, and then take it on the chin and just keep going back. And well, it's a fail better thing, isn't it? and just try to learn from your mistakes. <clears throat> and um, the trial and error of all of life, really, the trial and error of it all. Shall I say this to this person? No. Shall I? Oh, this is, you know, you can... And then you just you just cater it, don't you, to, to make it feel okay, really. Um but the <clears throat> yeah process is uh, interesting. Is there a tension between your desire to make art and the need to make money out of it? Money. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's that? I mean, uh, well, I, I, I'm asking specifically <laughs> because you're with an agency yeah. that I was. I couldn't believe you were with this particular agency because yeah, yeah. they have a reputation for being big money success oriented playboy playboy yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. so not to suggest there's anything wrong with that at all but I think it's it's a really interesting kind of uh, paradigm mm. given that yeah I don't know what well, just given that you seem like someone who either wouldn't have an agent or would have a single quiet person in a caravan making phone calls mm. on their behalf and you're with a huge supergroup. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because how that came about was I was doing the Amuse Moose competition and uh, I, did, I did the heats where there's 70 people doing one minute each. 70 people in, doing in one, one minute. Yeah. Okay. With, um, and it was at the Tommy Field, <laughs> is it? In Kennington. And I think it's that, if if, if anyone's listening to I, this. I remember a few years ago, it was 30 people doing four minutes each. Oh, was it? I can't wait to see what it's going to be like five years from now. I'm, it's that, going to be that a is thousand the memory people I've, drawing breath. That is the memory <laughs> I've got. If it's incorrect, then forgive me, but... I remember it was a lot of people and um, and I got through some of the rounds, got was doing the was doing the final at Edinburgh and um did it didn't go well. Um but my now manager Kath came up to me and said I really like that. Um I was like, oh, okay. And then we had some meetings and I didn't really know what to expect from an agent or a manager. 
basically all I wanted was the opportunity to do more gigs so I could get better. And that is what they've delivered, which is amazing. So really, it is, it's, it's just all the doors that were shut, the art centre doors that were shut to me, um, they just kind of give them a, a nudge and say, we've got this person, this, this, is, this is what it does, do you want to give them a chance? And then I did a tour of my water show. Mm. And then you, it's kind of up to me, really, of you've got to deliver because the, the art centres will only give you, a, it's kind of one strike in your eye out with a lot of them, I'd say. But I've made shows since then. So I did a tour of the water show and then I wrote the sleep show. Then I did the hair show then I did the talk show and now I'm doing the time show. And it's just the case of building up relationships with the art centres. And then I love... Um, I've been trying to, I haven't done much acting, but that is a world that I'd love to get into. And they've got a, it's just basically the opposite. I can, it's all, it's all, it's all about, it's all about the infrastructure is there. So if I have an idea for something, mm -hmm. I can take it and they say, oh yeah, we can pitch this for this. Mm. But at the end of the day, you've still got to have the idea. And it's got to be a good idea. And so it is, for, for me, it's just fantastic to be able to have someone who's, who's, who's there, who's, who you could say, we're in your corner and we're, we're fighting your corner. And it's absolutely, it's, it's brilliant. And um, yeah, Avalon, you know, they are, it, it's been so, they've been so good to me to, you know, take a... Because I'm, I'm not just doing jokes and stuff like that. For them to give me a, a chance to get into these art centres and do what I want to do is fantastic, really, because they've they've just been so, so, so supportive and I just want to keep making work and if if someone's there to say... We can get you these gigs for, you know, and then they then and then they 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 get you a gig at say like the ninety nine club, and you go and do the open spot. And I did it. I think I did four. Two went really well. Two went awfully, and then I didn't do it again because I'm just trying to find out what I when I say really well. I'd say better than the ones that didn't go well. Sure. Um, but um, it's just that environment. But the thing is, is that I want to change. I'm not saying I want to change comedy and make it more sad, but I want, <laughs> I want to, um, I, 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 my heart sinks when I see people walk into a comedy club and they sit on the front row and brace themselves for combat. Yeah. And they go, yeah, this is, he's going to have a go at us. 
This is great. This is, and I'm, I'm perfectly, that's fine. And I think that that is valuable. And I love the fact that people want to go to somewhere and have the piss taken out of them. But I don't think it should be as locked on as that of, it's a comedy night. So this is what, this is what we're going to do. I think it should be a bit broader than that. And so to go to, I was listening to the, this podcast with, you had Paul Foot on. Mm. And when he was saying that the the gigs that he's done where you, you die hard and um that you you, you just gotta you gotta keep going. But the, the I I seen a clip of him on YouTube and he's saying, You will never win. You will never win to the audience. He's just going, You will never win. You will never win. And um Oh, he's, he's, he's created his niche and he's got all this... And it's, 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 it's so inspiring to see that, to think that, yeah, you can create a world for yourself. Um, and... But I don't think comedy should be... I just want to... I just want to try and make it as natural as possible. And I'm not, I'm not trying to change comedy. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But I know that if I go to the pub with my mates and they're just cracking jokes all night, you say, oh, come on, can we just have a chat about something? And I remember when it was at university, the best nights were when I was with my mates. And I remember, you know, like the morning after, they'd say, God, we got deep last night, didn't we? And everyone, you know, we'd had a com- proper conversation. You know those conversations that you have at university that kind of build you as a person. And then you've got to cook on your own and you've got to, you've got to figure out. It's such, such formative years. But I realised then that the, 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 I got so much out of those conversations of just, you know, saying what? So... The, the universe just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and there's no there's no end to it and just having those conversations and just going and getting excited about it and feeling inspired um, and feeling small because the universe is so massive and um, yeah I loved those conversations and it, it made me just want to have that but on stage really of and then try and try and I don't know. I've always felt like a bit of a oddball. Well, not oddball, but just a bit of a outsider, really. Whatever that means. Maybe cut that. <laughs> So that was Rob, and yes, I did have his permission to leave that in. Um, I I just love talking to him. I am so in awe of the way he does things. I'm so in awe of how iconoclastic he is. I love it when people go, I'm going to do this like this, because this is how it occurs to me, this is how it appears to me, and either get on board or go home. I I, I just... I am absolutely in awe of when people do that. And I think Rob is ploughing his own furrow. That's the expression. It's it's so delightful and moving and challenging and exciting and invigorating. All of those things that turn me on about comedy 
to watch him work live. I think he is brilliant. So please do yourself a favour and go and see Rob Orton as soon as you possibly can. I think he's got some bits and bobs online. You can get a taste of what he does, but you will see through those bits and bobs that um, you really want to be in the room. So that was Rob. Thank you very much to Rob for coming on the show. Um, Please keep up with him all over social media and all the usual places that you try and track down where someone works. Um, Thank you to Nathan Wood producing the show. Podcast consultant was Peter Dobbing. The music was by Rob Smouten and the logging was by Jake Crossland. Uh, There is plenty more to come. There's more of that episode if you're interested in it at the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And uh, I'll have a little post-amble at you after this because I feel like I've been uh, lax on those recently. Um, That's all of that. Do check out comedianscomedian.com slash tour to find out where I am going to be in a city in the UK near you soon. And um, coming up next, who have we got? Sophie Hagen, the Cagouls, Jamoan, Chris Fleming, Matt Besser... Heath McIver, we're spoiled for choice. Uh, who knows? Who knows who's next? I'll be off. I'll be. I'll have finished my holiday in a few days, and I'll be in a position to uh, work it out and put together some sort of release schedule so that Nathan doesn't need to send me panicky texts because I've sent him nothing. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Post amble coming up. Speak to you soon. Ah, oh, what to post amble about? In a little room, in a little villa in Mallorca, where I am. Mallorca, it's great. We're half an hour from the sea in every direction. Bliss. Um, we've been doing lots of beach holidays and I've been getting over the challenges of covering two small children in sun cream twice a day, every day. I haven't been getting over it. I've been uh, kind of wallowing in what a pain in the arse it is <laughs> every so often. Every so often it occurs to me and my wife that we should probably emigrate to New Zealand just because we both love it. And... Um, uh, one of the reasons I couldn't is uh, sun cream. I can't bear putting it on kids. Although I have noticed the baby, much quicker, much quicker job. She resists a lot less and there's a much much less uh, surface area. So what can, I, what can I talk to you about? Having a break. It's good to have a break, isn't it? I haven't been thinking about work at all, which means in the background there's been lots of work thoughts going on. Uh, I've got a new podcast. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you about it yet. Uh, myself and another excellent comedian who is uh, who's been a guest on this show send in your guesses if you can be bothered um we're starting a new podcast and i'll tell you more about that soon and i also have um oh here's fun <laughs> here's fun there's a shiny sixpence that's on um i have uh, i've got a new new podcast which is just me doing it with a series of kind of guest performers but it's kind of narrative and i'm I've kind of recorded a proof of concept whilst in Edinburgh, sort of pre-pilot, and I'm editing together a pilot next week. And if you're on the Insiders feed, badger me, because I intend to, before I start hawking it around the place, the Insiders private podcast is exactly the sort of place that I should uh, submit it to the Insiders. So if you're uh, a member and you're subscribing, then uh, please poke me about that on the Slack app and I will remember to put it on there, hopefully by the end of next week and you can all jump in and tell me it's not as original, clever or brilliant or funny as I think it is. But I think it is all those things that I'm very excited about it. So that's good. It's It's that, you can hear a little baby screaming in the background. Pack it in, feature girl. Um, It's that time of year when you sort of emerge from the chrysalis. (laughs) No, I suppose suppose the end of July is the emerging from the chrysalis thing. And now what do you do? Turn back. We've all turned back into caterpillars. Great metaphor, Stu. Um, And uh, 
it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of hunkering down and making plans and, uh, and how do american uh, how do australian acts cope with this when the when it's all the other way around when you when you kind of run stuff in at edinburgh and then take it to australia or whichever way around i can't imagine the the school year starting in march or april it must be mad anyway lots of things on the horizon lots of plans afoot and i've really been enjoying doing absolutely nothing apart from constant parenting, childcare and rocking a baby to sleep several times a night. Um, but, uh, you know, like, still a holiday, right? And that's been good. Lots of things coming up, some of which I've told you about, others of which I'm kind of trimming. What a good year it was. Let's reflect. This is uh, the equivalent of a New Year's Eve post because, um, you know, the calendar for comics is such as it is. I took last year off writing an Edinburgh show, which is why I did Primer, which is why I sort of hastily and efficiently started learning. I was like, the system is let's learn to write. Let's let's improve my writing on stage skills. And as a result, free myself from a year of being under the, the yoke of a new Edinburgh show, a finished article, in order to get a load of other projects done. And I, I did that. <laughs> so I'm just publicly giving myself a pat on the back. I've I've created this um, uh, resilience presentation for business and done like eight of them now. I'm into the kind of doing them for proper money thing. I've done a few of those for proper money and those have all been very well received and exciting and fun to do. So that now exists as a thing. Uh, there's a tiny bit more information about that at stuartgoldsmith.co.uk. Um, but I will, I mean, I've, I've sort of soft launched it. It's available, but I'll do a proper launch of that later this year that exists now i i convinced myself it was possible i took a risk on whether you could not write anything till february and still come up with something honestly by day 10 of primer i thought i've written my best show here i could have formalized it there and then trimmed it made a few more changes and come out of edinburgh with a fully working show that wasn't the plan but it was very satisfying to I just, the, the thing I would say to comics again and again during the festival is I feel like I've solved the issue of homework forever. And I largely got into performing so as to never have homework again. And then you become a comic and you think, oh, bollocks, homework forever. And uh, I feel like I've solved that. I'm no longer scared. I'm no longer scared of... Do you remember the Stephen Grant episode? What was that, in the, in the early 20s or 30s? I said to him, do you ever worry about running out? And he went, no. And he sort of proved it with maths that you can't run out. But now I feel like I've learnt it. I've, I've learnt that I... I'm not worried about running out. And that, I think, is going to continue changing the way I work and the way I approach the whole shebang. So that was a success as well. And um, and I plan to do this other secret, let's call it the American podcast. Uh, this isn't the, the double act one I mentioned before. This is this is my solo narrative comedy project. Let's call it the American podcast for now, which will hint at it. The insiders already know what that means. Um, and uh, I wanted to get that up and running. Tick, tick, tick. Ah, oh, ticking off goals uh, and and making the Insiders Club sort of functional and slick. And uh, well, <laughs> it is, it's arguably functional. It's certainly not slick, but, you know, getting that up and running as well. So this is a sort of maundering, self-congratulatory one. But, you know, if I don't say it, who else is going to say it? Well done, Stu. You've, you've planned to do four things in your year off and you did all four of them. Let's have another year off. I always think this every time I have a, a successful period of, recuperation or, or or you know i spend so much of my life panicking that i'm not working hard enough and every time i have an actual holiday i come back just revitalized and desperate to get you know not desperate happily 
creative and hardworking and getting stuff done. I get so much done. I got so much done last year because I sort of gave myself the notional year off. I did find myself halfway through thinking, this is great. I should just retire. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like as a sort of mental strategy, just consider myself to have the rest of my life off. Every year is a year off. And as a result, I get shitloads of stuff done. There we go. There's got to be a 30-page self-help ebook for a pound in that. Bagsies. I'm calling shotgun on that. That's my idea. And I will not get round to it. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.